What's up, guys? Welcome to episode seven of Inwards and Upwards. I am one of your hosts, Mike Mears, and I will be joined by my co-host, Grant Iflander. On Inwards and Upwards, our job is to um, dive into all things health, fitness, mindfulness, and overall, how do we set up our lives to get a bigger slice of pie and live it to the fullest? Today, what we're going to be doing is I will actually be interviewing Grant so that y'all can get to know him a little bit better, hear his story, and um, yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to share this with you. Grant has um, an awesome background and tons of experience uh, just diving into self-experimentation, yoga, weightlifting, and all kinds of other good stuff. I hope you guys enjoy. Cheers. Good flavor and it mixes well and you can put in some water and maybe you just make an excuse to have more of it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of folks are like the pill thing. They're a little, little like, "Mm, okay, that's a lot of pills. So, which I get. Totally. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. How's your day going? Over here, dude. My day is so far so good, man. It's such like springtime here in in Phoenix is just amazing. You know, it's been the perfect temperature. The mornings are still cool. It starts to warm up. The sun comes out. It's just awesome, man. I've been been really enjoying it. Just kind of being active around the house um just, just having fun man just living life it's, it's pretty cool that's great that's really great <laughs> yeah i booked yeah. uh I, I just had to book my flight back to costa rica i go in about a month i'll return to teach um anatomy again to two different rounds of teacher trainers so i'll be oh, there really? for a month mm-hmm. whoa Whoa. Or sorry, teacher, I cut you off. Teacher trainers of yoga or something else? Yep. Teacher, too. So the place that I go is the place that I did my original training, my 200 hour teacher training. And so it's an immersion retreat where people stay for three weeks at a time. And you basically are immersed completely in the practice and studying yoga. And by the time you complete, you'll have done 200 hours of um, specific curriculum that that allows you to then go on and be certified to teach yoga. Nice. So I'll be I'll be going back to the place where I did my training, but then this time I'll be a uh, I'll be an assistant teacher in that. I'm not the master teacher, Liz, who's the owner and runs the whole place, but I end up being responsible for. A portion of the curriculum, which happens to be anatomy and physiology, which is my jam, dude. I love that shit. <laughs> that's rad. Cool, dude. Yeah. So that's a month away, and you'll spend a month there? Yep. I will be – I fly May 7th, and then I'll go right to the center. I'll teach for a week. I get a week break while the next round of people come in. Um and I'm probably I'm gonna stay on the grounds for that that week in between, and I'll probably just 
I don't know what I'll do. I know it'll be a, my own little mini retreat, you know, so I'll be immersed in my own practice in the jungle, um, probably do some writing and, and some whatever self-exploration. And then the third week that I'm there will be the first week of the next round of people. Mm-hmm. So I'll teach uh, for that week and then I leave and I will be there for another eight week or eight days, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just go to go to a beach on the western uh, coast of Costa Rica there. And nice. Might do a little bit of surfing. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm definitely going to be in chill mode. You know, it's, it'll, be, uh, it'll be an awesome little uh, summer getaway. So I'll be, nice. you know, I, I really don't consider it work being in the jungle and teaching what I love to do, you know. Yeah. And so it'll just be a month. Um, It'll be a month-long vacation, really. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm pumped. Cool, man. Will you? Uh, do you plan to come back after that month, or you maybe could this become another extended trip for you? Dude, I, <laughs> I say, I hope it doesn't. You know, cause I am, <laughs> I am growing my roots here, and I, and that's what I intend to do. Is is. Uh, you know, I'm really focused on building the community here at home, and being gone for a month is long enough as it is, and. I really hope that I don't uh, get dragged away again. But you never know, man. I'm I'm kind of I'm open to it, but yeah, my intention is just to come back home. <laughs> That's great. I'm I'm stoked for you. That should be really fun. And uh, yeah, travel I think is a really good thing for the soul and for just I don't know whatever like just places where travelers are. There's so many people who are interested in and i know it's like a yoga retreat so there's a little bit there's also a unifying focus there but i just find people are just so interested in connecting in a way that's you like different when you're like at home and uh and it's just like nice to get it around that energy and then take that back with you to the place where you're trying to build your roots so i think it helps you like remember those skills more and reinforce them more and then like dive into your community with it so that's super that's i'm super excited for you yeah, man, I'm really excited also because I'm, I, uh, I'm just I've completely revamped my curriculum from last year because this is where I was last year when I first um, went away and then started traveling, which mm-hmm. we'll probably get into. But yeah. I've just completely revamped my curriculum, and I'm because uh, I I'm entirely responsible for what what the ten hours that I am there for to teach them and like what I lecture on mm-hmm. anatomy is the big umbrella, but I get to just, I get to basically create that, um, all the information that they're going to be given during that time. And, um, so I'm just drawing from all my previous knowledge and all my experience and just putting it together in this really awesome interactive presentation. That's, uh, to me is really the most important thing is that people take away an experience that they can actually apply into their teaching. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm only there to inspire. And if what I'm creating right now isn't inspiring me, then I don't want to do it, but it, but it is, you know, it's inspiring the heck out of me and I'm having a lot of fun, um, kind of isolating the things that are necessary. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's just going to be so cool, man. I'm going to talk about, some really cool stuff you know the nervous system and the spine and the breath and it's gonna be sweet that's rad is your background in anatomy and physiology is that what you studied 
not formally, no, okay. but I probably spent more time while I was getting my bachelor's degree in business administration. I probably spent more time reading about anatomy and physiology than I did about business administration. Like I would be in the back of my classes, like accounting or whatever, and I would be on the internet, like reading modules <laughs> and stuff. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I spent a good amount of money just, um, of my own like personal income, just kind of exploring these topics, you know, like I remember just signing up for like these random modules online that you could kind of self pace and learn about all these different things. And I purchased a freaking medical physiology textbook just so I could read it. You know, it was, nice. I wanted to know like what is actually happening in the cell that allows it to do what it does. Cause I it's like, I want to know that, you know, like yeah. it's mind blowing. So I don't have a formal background in it, no. But but you've done a lot. Of, or, yeah, apparently someone thought that I knew enough to go on and teach it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you've done a lot of informal education, which is, um, I think, super valuable. I mean, that's that's me too, right? Like my everything I know. I think I think you've spent actually more time than I have um, on like the science. I've been very like prat like. Uh, not that you're not practical, but I've been more on like, okay, what do, what does someone do versus like, why does someone do what they do? Um, but yeah, I think it's super valuable knowledge that you acquired and share. So yeah, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And same at you, you know, it's just, just a reflection. Like when we first met, it was just kind of identifying that in another person is just is what allows you to connect and then go from there and then kind of share ideas and, you know, everyone, ultimately everybody, I feel everybody has interest, has a common interest and if it's up to us to find that common interest because mm -hmm. then from there you can start to, you can start to weave your personal interest into that person's story and then they get interested in your personal interest and it's like you guys can just like kind of grow together you know what i mean yeah so like even if someone has no background in anatomy they're still going to be fascinated to hear about like how their muscles actually functioning in their body you know if you can connect to the thing that's important to them about their body or whatever mm -hmm. and then you you're basically kind of inviting them on this journey with you to explore a new topic that previously they had no interest or knew nothing about, you know, and that, that to me is the, like the hallmark of a great teacher is you're just inviting a student with you to explore their own knowledge and their own inner knowing of whatever it is, you know, yeah, that's, that, that stuff gets me off, you know, <laughs> No, I think that's, that's exactly how it goes. That's even like as, that's just, I think, so fundamental to relationships in general is just like coming in with the position of sharing what you know and also an interest in learning about what they know, like, and what they've yeah. experienced. Like, I'm doing a lot of, like, sales right now for my business and kind of, mm -hmm. so I'm spending a lot of time, like, reading and researching and just, like, refreshing myself on the sales game and just being reminded of how much like it's so much more uh valuable and even and therefore effective to come to people as like um both as like 
someone who has information to share and educate, but really the first move of, of that relationship is not to educate someone about me. It's actually to educate myself about them. Um, and totally. only by knowing that person and where they come from, can I actually make sure that I'm giving them the information um, about my product in this situation that really is going to help them and, you know, guide them in a process that's going to help them get to the ultimate goals they have around, you know, their fitness and health in this case. Um, and so that's just the way to do everything in life. And yeah, it's so key. I love it, man. It's the, the teacher student relationship as is the, the salesman client relationship, if you want to call it that, as mm. is like, like, dude, it's universal. All you're, all we're being asked to do is connect with another being on the level that they're at mm-hmm. and then invite them to be a part of whatever you're doing. And we can't just, we can't just drag people with us. It's basically like we're joining their party first and then we're, they're there and we're like, let's throw a party together. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, I like that. It's their party first. Um, it's their first. <laughs> yeah. Like it, but it's so like, it's so key, like giving, always being the person who, or not the person, it's not about being the person. Um, always being like presenting yourself or like coming to a situation with the mindset of like, I'm going to do my best right now to give like 51%, like be the, like be someone who's giving like, you know, like 51% to that engagement. Um, and like, and like the idea is that you're just like, you're just doing what you can to go a little bit above and beyond for that other person or other people. Um, and when like you come together with that, like say you're, say there's just one person in a conversation that's doing that. Uh, that just helps it have so much life. But then if you have like two or three people in a conversation, we're all like coming in with the mindset of like, I'm going to give just a little bit more to these people than, than like, than is what is required. Uh, just magic happens. Like good things happen there. Hell yes. Totally dude. I mean, imagine if we could actually keep that mindset through our whole life because we can, you know, like, we are always capable of giving a bit more always, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter where we're at. And if we can remember that, like even in the tough times, man, like you said, magic happens. Magic really happens and magic is real. And I believe in it. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a scientific fact, dude. Magic. That was in those, uh, the physiology textbooks that you were reading in the back of business class, right? that's that was my translation i was like wait a second this sounds a lot like magic to me yeah (laughs) just gonna call it magic and then we'll go we'll we're good you know yeah that i mean i think that type of thing is like why for a long time and we'll uh this is for a different conversation but for a long time i stayed religious even though i Mm -hmm. believed in science and like uh and like other kind of things that are maybe unfortunately like not things that religious people get to think these days. Um, Mm -hmm. just because I was like, when you really dive into science, there are still all these things that are really 
crazy and amazing that like that happened. And so like, like, yeah, it's possible that maybe a, a God did that. Um, I personally don't believe that anymore, but I also like have, have no, like no level of disrespect for anyone who does, who's also open to like, you know, knowing how things actually work. Um, so there's just so much mystery and stuff that we're still discovering and figuring out and maybe someday we'll have it all figured out. But I feel like just the more we learn, the more we'll feel like, Oh, okay. Well there's, there's actually this other level of like, um, stuff that we need to like now know about and figure and research and try and discover. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just beautiful, like never ending process. And, ah, yeah, man, at some point we have to surrender to the mystery of life because it is a mystery. You know, there's, I think there are things that we will never understand intellectually and it's supposed to be that way. I believe that. Yeah. You know, and the reason I believe it's supposed to be that way is because if we know something for sure, we've defined it and that is putting a limit on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it's like, dude, like how is all of this even possible? Like this is, this is a creation of something that's infinite mm-hmm. and it's, you know, you can't capture infinite you just, it's just an abstract concept. And so that's, that's what that means to me is, is like, we can't, we can only know so much. For sure. Yeah. Well, with that, maybe we can transition and jump into kind of the meat of today, which is today I wanted to, where we wanted to interview you, um, and just kind of like help the audience better get to know who Grant is and what you're about and what your background is and how you became someone who was interested in questioning the magic and the mystery and figure out what our bodies do and, you know, thinking intently about health and mindfulness and just all of life. So, um, sure, man. yeah, I'm excited, excited to share whatever, you know, I'm, I'm deeply inspired by the world and in the beauty and, and the magic, you know, magic in quotation marks, but you know, you can remove the quotation marks. I'm inspired by it all. And mm-hmm. hopefully this conversation just kind of captures some of that inspiration and, and allows somebody somewhere to feel the same inspiration that I feel. And that's, that's all that I, uh, that's kind of my purpose. That's, that's what my purpose in life has been is just to inspire myself so I can inspire other people. Gotcha. So where does like, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll start there is like, when you look at your story, um, like, where do you, where do you think you got that from? Um, oh, apparently I asked so many questions as a kid. My mom and my grandma always tell me that I just wouldn't shut up and I would just always, I was always asking questions. And I think the, the curiosity for life never left me. It only grew and grew and grew. And the curiosity turned into like the childlike curiosity that I had turned into like a mature fascination with the natural world and everything about it. And so, um, as I continue to be more fascinated by things that I learn, I just continue to be like, you know, how could anybody not be fascinated 
by this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so passionate about how amazing everything is that it's like, I just want to invite people to be amazed with me. You know, that's, that's really it. And that's kind of how it's transformed and, and what, what fuels my motives for continuing to learn. And like, cause for a while I was like, Oh, I don't need to read anymore. Not for a while, just for a short period of time. I was like, I don't need to read anymore. I've already read, you know, I've read so many books and learned so much and maybe it's time just to kind of chill out and enjoy life. And, the, and then I realized part of enjoying life is to continue to dive into its complexity and continue to unravel these mysteries. And, and yeah, so that, that's really it. You know, the curiosity turned into fascination and then I've never really, I just continue to be grow and become more fascinated. The more things that I learned, I'm like, Oh my God, like, how is that? You know, it's like, there's, it's never ending and I love it. So yeah. So just kind of rooted in you from a very young age to discover and and question. Yeah, really question. And I think that's, um, that's part of the, that's part of why we are here, you know, questioning our purpose. Mm -hmm. And if our purpose is the root of why we are here, there's also these other things that we can question as well and, and actually enjoy coming up with answers. You know, it's like, I, co- I consider it and call it the, the game of hide and seek with life, you know? Yeah. We're just, we're just hiding and we're, it's hide and seek. Hmm. I like that. Um, I guess, okay. Well, so like tailing off of that, um, it'd be awesome for you to talk a little bit about like your, your background, like kind of. Um, either your background or another way to kind of, I think that would be helpful for like the listeners to understand better who you are is like kind of what, what is it that like is your primary aim that you're working on right now? Like, and that can be a work thing that can be a a lifestyle thing. Um, but like, how would you just like talk about that? And like, what is like, what is it that like you, you do with your, with your life? What do I do? I love that question. What do you do? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't want it to. Don't feel constrained to talk about like work or something. Um, right. I feel like that's a very American approach to that question, and yeah. and I would probably answer it in that way because that's. But but feel free to take that wherever you want. For sure. Um, I love. The, I do love that question because when people ask me that, I just I'm like, dude, I do a lot of things. You yeah. Know, what do you? You want to know what I did today or, you know, (laughs) and so, um, man, what, like my, when I think about that question, which you said, like, uh, immediately what came to mind is like my life's purpose and what I'm here to do is like, I just want to throw the biggest party possible and everybody's invited, you know? And so what that looks like to me is living my life in a way that doesn't exclude anybody from the joy and the 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 love and the the experience that I have, you know, because it's, it's like it doesn't matter where I go or what I'm doing as far as like you know work or whatever, you know, if I remain rooted in this total fascination and appreciation for the life that I have then I want to invite anybody that I interact with on any level to take part in that. And, um, 
And so, yeah, I, I want to throw the biggest party and no one's excluded. And so what that looks like as far as like what I'm actually going to do with my time. Oh man, Mike, that's why I'm writing a book. And that's why I, you know, that's also why I teach yoga because in both of these things kind of overlap in the sense that like my teaching of yoga isn't, is a, uh, I'm, I'm demystifying yoga so that it's not something that only people who are, uh, receptive to yoga, you know, are, because mm-hmm. I want, I want even my dad to get it. You know, I want my dad to understand why I am doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And to me that that's just like, I need to take away all the spiritual nonsense. I need to remove anything that's not the nuts and bolts and simple so that anybody can take part in it. Um, and not, and so that's like, it, it takes it out of the whole yoga sphere entirely and it makes it the most natural thing we can do. And it's like, and so that's, that's what my teaching philosophy is when I'm, when I'm actually teaching a practice. Um, but that's also what I'm writing about is like connecting all of the dots so that no matter what you believe or what your background is, mm-hmm. you still feel the same connection that we all do, you know, the connection to life. Gotcha. What, like, what are, <clears throat> I mean, something you said there, I think, like about that, that on that point of yoga, making it accessible, like what are some of the ways that when you're in a class or leading a group of people, um, in a practice, like how do you, like, what are the things that you do to make it more approachable? One of the things that I've really been enjoying lately is just, um, I ask a question, I try to make it interactive because I think the more people participate and take part not just in moving their body based on shapes that I'm calling, you know, but like the more they're actually like cognizing this because we're so much in our heads about things. But when we link our cognition and our ability to think with what we're feeling in our body, all of a sudden we are harmonizing two forces in us. We're linking the mind and the body together as one unit, which they are, but sometimes they become separate and that's where problems arise. Um, so I, I'll ask the question, what is the most natural thing that we can do as a human being? And some people say like give birth or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty freaking natural. Um, but even before that, uh, I think of the breath, you know, the breath is the most natural thing that we can do because it's, it's so natural, in fact, that it's just given to us by nature. You know, we talk about how there's there's an atmosphere pressure difference outside of our physical body that the first inhale we ever take as a baby, it's actually not taken, you know, uh, mm. in the sense that where we don't take it, it's, it's pushed in us yeah. from the outside yeah. pressure. So it's so natural that nature itself is like, here, breathe. And so that's where I start with a lot of my teaching and my practices. Like your breath is the most natural thing you can do. And when we start to connect to the breath with our attention, then we're, we're participating with all of our mental faculties with this extremely natural phenomenon. And it starts, 
like that's when the magic happens, Mike. That's when we really start to realize, holy shit, you know, there's a force much, much bigger than me that's actually allowing me to live. And like that, that, you know, it's like you're, you're, (laughs) it's like you're playing a role in all of life when you start to immerse yourself in the thing that's giving you the life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and think so, and then that, that's, working. yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's how a lot of my teaching starts. And then when we start to move and breathe and we link our movement with our breath and our body and it's like, man, we're being breathed. We are being breathed. That's, that's gotcha. So you just help people, you start by helping people get to connecting, <clears throat> kind of getting rid of that, I think it's really common, right, for us to have this kind of mind-body separation in our heads. And so you just start by linking that through getting people to really focus on breathing first versus downward-facing dog or warrior two and poses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think- Yeah, because... Mm, go ahead. No. I was just going to say that because the body is never not in the present moment. The body is our sensory experience, like sensing, taste, touch, smell, um, hearing. All of those things only happen in the immediate moment. And so linking the mind to the body is just about linking the mind to be completely focused on what's happening right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we're accessing a field of intelligence, and I'm calling it a field of intelligence, um, because I, I don't know, that just came to my mind. Uh, we're accessing that intelligence, which has been there always. You know, it's the same intelligence that has created the evolution that's possible for us to be human being. And so we're, we're suddenly using this recent evolutionary phenomenon of the, mo- of the brain specifically, not the mind, but the brain and our higher intellectual capacity to kind of think about thinking and self-awareness. We're using that and harmonizing it with the the part of us that's always been there, going all the way back. Gotcha. Does that make sense? I think I think so. Um, I mean, maybe like, is there are there specific um, like drill, like common? I guess I don't know if you would call it drills, but common exercises that you'll do with people to like help them understand like those concepts in practice. Definitely. Yeah. That's why, um, like when we actually sit down on a, on a yoga mat and practice yoga, it's, um, it's a very, I call it a science because it's a methodology, you know, it's, you're just doing these things and you're getting a certain result and there's no way around it. You know, if you put your body in a position and you, and you allow yourself to breathe in that position, the body's going to open up, you know, it's just like, that's, what's going to happen. That's, that's natural, you know? And so for like, you do use exercises, breathing techniques and things like that to get back to the natural breath. Cause if you look at a baby, a baby knows how to belly breathe, like amazingly perfect. Like it's diaphragm is just expanding and contracting and it's, you know, babies know, do they get it? They're, they're so immersed in their sensory experience that they're just creating these amazing neural networks on like super accelerated pace and they're absorbing. And like, there's a reason babies learn so freaking quickly. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and eventually the thing that happens with, as we grow into adults is we start to get in our own way because the mind starts to separate from the body. And then the mind starts to create its own little story about things. And then that's when the breathing, the, 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 our ability to breathe naturally starts to change because we start to go against nature. And so all of the exercises and stuff that we do in yoga, um, specifically breathing techniques, all that's doing is to get us to revert back to the natural breath. And so, um, something that I do a lot with, uh, is a super duper simple double breathing. It's called, hmm. and I, I learned this from my teacher in England, uh, named Steve, who's just, I mean, he's the man. Steve is the man. <laughs> and, uh, it's so simple and it's so easy to teach and I love it. And I use it in my own practice. Um, because, and I'll, and I'll walk, walk us through it really fast. Cause it, yeah. it's, it is, it feels really good. Um, well, why don't we just do it together? You want to do, do it, it with me? Yeah, oh, I'd love to. Seconds. So it's in through the nose and then it's out through the mouth and it's a rapid inhale and then an exhale through the mouth. So if you can imagine the belly is pumping, it pumps, in and then out right so super simple i'll start the pace go ahead and join in when you're ready okay you got it keep up that even pace in through okay. the nose out through the mouth we'll do it a couple more times Two more. This last one, let all the air go. Inhale, keep inhaling all the way to the top of your collarbones. Pause for a minute at the top of the inhale. Feel the inhale, feel your body expand, and then sink into the exhale as you open mouth and just sigh it out, like you're letting air out of a tire. And if you do that right, if you do, I mean, we usually do a couple rounds, you can really sink into the exhale. And when you let go into that exhale and you really just allow yourself to, it's almost like the, the shell, the encasing of your body just kind of shrinks in because mm -hmm. the exhale is just carrying you out into this, this empty void like space, this dynamic stillness. Hmm. And as the body gets cleaner, um, and the body as in like, as your breath starts to get more natural and you're, you're exchanging carbon dioxide and oxygen through your cells and your tissues, uh, more efficiently, that exhale can become longer. And then there's a space at the end of the exhale before you need to take a breath that you can like kind of reside in. And that is like, that's the key. You know, if we can, if we can let our breath go not need to take an inhale breath and we can actually notice that space with our mind, mm -hmm. you're essentially overcoming the root fear that every human being has, which is death. And the, and you're, you're overcoming it by 
not by not by taking not. another breath immediately essentially you're realizing oh i can hang out for a second without drawing or letting more air come into my lungs exactly yeah you can become okay in the space where you don't have a breath and for for every single human being having a constant breath is what allows us to check in with our aliveness you know mm -hmm. it's what it's the it's the constant our our heart beating and our breathing are the constant denominator in all of living life you know once those things stop our life ends essentially yeah absolutely and they and so they the yogis say in in the highest stages of meditation um when you when your when your mind becomes so still and you're so absorbed in on your meditation you're 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 turning your attention in on itself okay mm -hmm. so your attention is on the ability to be attentive mm -hmm. that's turned inward when you're sitting in that space there's a point at which your breath will cease naturally and there's just a complete cessation of breath. There's no mental activity and you are transcending the human limitation of the brain. Mm -hmm. You're transcending the confines of our mental thought process because, and you're not even, it's not like you're, you're not, um, you're not thinking about seizing the breath. You've just done the things, the right order and the right kind of sequence have allowed that uh, state of presence, that that being, to arise, and that's the highest. That those are some of the highest stages of meditation, where the breath just ceases completely, and you're just in this void, this empty space. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you you'll come back from that, and you're just like, holy crap, you know, I just I wasn't breathing. I was. Where, what was I? Where was I? How was I? You know, and yeah, that's, that's where the magic happens. <laughs> yeah, that's what was really interesting about doing that technique with you. It was a little hard to keep pace. I think there's a little like when there's a delay in the video, it's different than doing it in person. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean, am I going too fast? Um, but uh, something I used to do, like, about a year ago, I was dealing with a lot of like, really serious like fatigue stuff where I was just like getting just in the afternoons just super tired all the time. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I turned to was learning about breathing exercises because you can you really like you really can use your breath to change your state. Um, and so one of the exercises that I would do to like boost myself up would be to take um, it was taking like a series of like sh uh, short or no, it was a series of fast but deep breaths in and out my nose. Mm -hmm. And, um, or even like if I was in a rush, it would just be like three like short inhales through my nose. Like, and you can like help kind of like you know, the, the quick, um, like intake of oxygen, like helps to kind of like, you know, give a little shock to your system. Uh, so it's interesting how, I mean, that was different, but how going through that process of these, like sh these quick breaths, stage of breaths to like fill up the lungs followed by like that deep or just like just uncontrolled release, like really did 
like I definitely felt like, oh, like what you're saying about feeling like, would you, I can't remember exactly how you put it, but like feeling like your insides, like, um, like space getting created is like, you know, as that breath went out, I was just like, whoa, yeah, like I feel like there's like extra room in my body or things moved. Like, I don't know if things actually moved around, but it felt like things like actually moved around. It was like very, very calming. Mm-hmm. So that's super cool. Yeah, that that specific breath as we extend the exhale, um, and I use I kind of use the inhale and kind of relate that to the sympathetic nervous system, and the exhale to to relate to the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it that way, it makes sense. Like the inhale is the fire; it's the breathing in; it's the life; it's the doer; it's the thing that's you know giving us energy. Mm-hmm. And the sympathetic nervous system is is the part of our nervous system that is for motor control. It's the fight or flight. It's the doer, mm-hmm. you know. And then the parasympathetic is the rest and digest, the relaxer, the the coming in, the allowing the body to then repair itself. And so, with a like, you can literally feel sometimes peristalsis happening in your gut, which is a very parasympathetic activity, you know, where your body's relaxed and that it's starting to move the digestive tract and and get food to to move through your body. Because when you're in a fight or flight state and you're in a highly sympathetic state, the peristalsis of the gut is slowed down big time, you know, and things are not moving the way that we want. And so, um, that breath, double breathing with the long exhale is most of us are in a sympathetic state far too often. Mm-hmm. And so when we start a yoga practice and engage into the parasympathetic, that is the space that we can really start to explore um, being relaxed in something like an exercise, you know, especially if we're in a hard posture, or if we're moving and flowing, you know, it's just so easy to become sympathetic and what we want is a balance between the two parts of our nervous system. Yeah. We don't be too much of one or too much of the other, but we start from the parasympathetic and then we can play with how much heat and how much fire and how much energy we really want to bring into the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point <clears throat> of like, yeah, we spend a lot of time in that charged up state or like in that kind of doing state of sympathetic and just training. It's not about it's yeah, it's not necessarily about like getting to be all sympathetic or parasympathetic all the time. Like that's not ideal, but like how do you more balance create more regulations so you can tap into both of those things in in different activities. So what and that, oh hmm. I was just gonna talk about the balance there and this is some this is a really cool concept I've been discussing and, and exploring recently is like everything that we know exists as duality. You know, we there's an object and then there's the observer of the object. Yeah. And so where how does that kind of correlate? Well we see it everywhere, you know, we see um centripetal and centrifugal forces you know there's the this earth rotating on its axis so that centripetal force pulling us inward towards the center of the earth but Mm -hmm. then it's also rotating as a revolution around the sun which is centrifugal which is sending it outwards Mm -hmm. and so these 
this is just these are forces of nature that are occurring everywhere and if you trace it all the way back it's kind of what allowed the first organism to begin life which was some force directed inwards created a cell and then that cell also had to have a force outward to send things outside of it mm -hmm. and as that evolved along the timeline of life now we're a human being with a super advanced nervous system our nervous system does the same thing. It's sending signals outward or it's receiving signals and coming inward. And so there's an in and out. There's a binary system happening. And our sympathetic and parasympathetic components of our nervous system are those highly advanced degrees of which there's different levels of complexity. But on the basic level, there's stuff going coming in and, and a response going out. Mm -hmm. And so the inhale and the exhale also represent those things. And it's like the balance of those two is is where we find if, if you're perfectly balanced between those two you can start to enter a space in between and that space in between is the fundamental life energy that has allowed the first thing to occur mm -hmm. right so there's you know even before the first life form if we want to trace it back there was an energy that that you know there was just an energy and that energy forced its way into creation but then uh, i guess i guess i'm kind of losing myself here but um there's a there's a space in between the two components of the nervous system between the outward and the inward mm -hmm. sorry whatever directions you want to think yeah and the more we access that space and the more balanced we become the more we can choose any outcome you know we can choose to either direct our attention inward and kind of relax our system mm -hmm. or we can choose to direct our attention outward and actually do something but if we're always being pulled in one direction suddenly it doesn't seem like we have much of a choice mm -hmm. suddenly nature is running its course through us and that looks a lot like oh crap i'm i'm in the same relationship again or this job looks a lot like my last one or mm -hmm. i'm eating the same you know, food again and again, or I'm, you know, I'm, I can't get off this diet, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. those, that, those expressions of our life are just manifestations of the lack of balance in our, our nature, our in and out, you know, our solar and lunar, our fire and, and water, our yin and yang, our masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. The duality of nature exists within us. We're a microcosm of the macrocosm. Does that make sense? Did I kind of close that loop a little I think, bit? I think so, yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. It actually leads to something I wanted to ask you was about when you, so like, you know, getting people to like become mindful and present in their breath and then using that to connect like kind of what they've got going up in their head with kind of how they're relating to their body is something that you often will start your practices with and how you, um, one of the key ways that you attempt to make yoga more accessible to people who are maybe new to it, scared to, of it, or even maybe people who've been doing it for a long time, but don't quite understand what they're doing. Maybe, um, mm -hmm. like, would you say that, like, is there, what is the, in, like, why, why do you teach yoga? Like, is it, are you trying to, and and I think this is, this is a wide, like pretty, there's question. a lot of reasons to want to teach yeah. yoga and I'm sure you have several, but like, 
Is there a, a key intention that you hope to bring into every class that you lead? Um, be it, are you like, is it, are you, is your main focus here like trying to help people become healthier, better movers physically, or are you more concerned with them coming in and leaving with a more present state? Like what's that? Is there, is there intention that kind of is, uh, uh, creates continuity between the, the classes you teach? Yeah, I love this question because it's so like, I ask myself this question a lot, especially when I returned from my travels and because I, I came back home and I didn't want to teach yoga, even though I went and explored and went as deep as possible into yoga as, you know, yeah. as I could. And, and then I got asked to teach yoga and I was like kind of resisting. And I was like, I don't really want to teach yoga, you know? And, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to teach. And, um, what I found is the, the main, the sole reason that I teach yoga now is because it's something that I love so much and I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. that I can go in there and be completely myself and be totally authentic. And that like, Currently, that's what that looks like as far as spending my time. If there's something else that I could do that's that same authenticity with, which there certainly could be, I would be happy to explore that. You know, like if I could be a barista at a coffee shop and deliver that same truth to people coming in there, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I've found that in something like a, a yoga practice where I'm super passionate and love it, like people, um, uh, it's, it sounds selfish, but it, it really doesn't matter like to me much <laughs> about what people think about my teaching. Cause I love it so much that the people who also love it will get what I'm taking away from it. And then the people that don't, they will find someone that they connect with more. And that's what I want. You know, okay. I don't want to deliver to, to anybody something inauthentic that they can take away something with. Like I want to, I want to deliver as much authenticity as possible so that the people who are open to receiving it, they get it. Mm -hmm. And then the people who don't, they can go somewhere else to get what they need as authentic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, why do I teach yoga? It's just, or maybe, Oh, go ahead. It's just cause, it's just cause it's, it's fun for me, man. It's so much fun and I love it. And it's, it's a really, it's a huge joy and, and, um, I know what it does for me. And, and as long as it keeps doing that for me, then I'll continue to share that with other people. Okay. Maybe, so maybe follow up on that is talk about, maybe you could talk about, cause, cause you're not in my well, from my limited knowledge, you're not the average yoga teacher because um, your background is actually in strength sports, right? Yeah, Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, and like maybe, yeah, maybe could you trace us through kind of your your athletic or fitness background and how you got, why you got into yoga? Totally, yeah. This is a good one because – the same idea applied when I was a co- a strength coach was like, I found my connection to my source, my higher power, whatever you want to call that. I found that through physical exercise mm-hmm. first. And did you know, you know that at the time or? Yeah. 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 Like I was like, 
and everybody does that. Every single human being has a connection to something greater than them. Mm -hmm. Some people aren't really as aware of it as others, but every single human being has that connection. That's the single common underlying factor that we all share is that there is a fundamental connection inside of us to a force that's greater than us. Mm-hmm. That's what allows us to wake up in the morning. That's what allows us to do anything that's hard. Nobody, this is this is a crazy one, but nobody's doing something every day that's the easiest thing because mm-hmm. the easiest possible thing would just be to lay in bed, right? You would just, <laughs> that's that's as easy as it gets. But yeah. but that's there's true. something that's pushing people in their life, and it's like getting them to do something that's a little bit hard. Like some do it more than others, of course, but. This is what drives us to eat a little healthier or actually think about eating healthier or to go for a walk or do exercise or whatever, you know, why are we doing the things that are, that are uncomfortable if Mm -hmm. not for some reason to, because we think that there's a greater version of ourselves that we could be Mm -hmm. right. That to me is that connection. And so I found that in weight training initially when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old, when I first got into it about 10 years ago. Um, and I, I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and exploring that. I was like, man, I want to quit on this 10 rep set of back squats, but I can still do 20 reps. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a, uh, that, that's what I was finding was like, I can just keep pushing it. And then I, what happened was I just continued to really push myself beyond my limit And then eventually I found, I was like, okay, weight training is still not scratching that itch completely. And so then I started to get into meditation a little bit to explore deeper. And then what happened was weight training ended up injuring me so much, um, both physically, like my physical body, I had physical injuries, my elbow, my knee, my hip, Mm -hmm. um, and also some internal damage, like my, my hormone system was totally screwed up. You know, my cortisol had tanked and we had adrenal problems and all sorts of fun stuff that I had to deal with. And that, that really brought me into the yoga practice. And I was like, holy crap, this thing is actually addressing all of the elements that I was seeking in weight training. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, well, your question was like, how did that the journey from yeah like even i mean even it'd be awesome to hear like when you were when you're you said you started 16 with weight training yeah was that did you do like any high school sports before that too or no Mm. like i was actually uh i was a huge stoner i smoked a ton of pot (laughs) i didn't do anything but but play video games for like five years straight like from the age like 10 or 11 till 16 okay i was inactive like the most activity i did was i think i told you this was riding my bike to jack in the box to buy a a junior bacon cheeseburger (laughs) or or taco bell i get a grilled stuffed burrito and this was you know i was i was a major pot i smoked far too much pot um but that was you know that's what i did and and that that brought me into and then I started getting into fitness and health and I was like man I can transform this body and then that's what got me super passionate about it cuz I realized that everybody shared that urge mm-hmm. and I I was just hoping to inspire people to find that and discover that in themselves and so that looked like me you know helping uh, others in the strength coach capacity and kind of teaching people the the uh 
like those principles because I'd always like, I never wanted to be a rep counter or a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And so anybody who came to me for, for fitness advice, I would always like point them back to themselves and be like, dude, I'm the same as you. Mm -hmm. I just did a little bit of work to kind of discover these things in myself. You can do it too. And then that evolved and kept evolving and kept evolving. And now as a yoga teacher, it's like people think I have something figured out. It's like, dude, I don't have anything figured out. I'm the same as you. Nature is here giving me life. Nature is here giving you life. Let's explore that together and celebrate that together. Here's some things we can do to find that. And that became a very practical way and evolution to, um, to just inspire and allow others to, to become part of this party of discovery. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, I want to have a big party. Everyone's invited and all we're doing together is sharing our own discoveries because all of my students are also all my, my best teachers and all of my teachers are students. And it's like, it's an ongoing, ever going beautiful exchange and you and I, you know, it's like, it's just everything really comes together perfectly to support this, this celebration of life. And that's all, that's, that's what it is. Nice. Um, when, like when you were, when you were in high school and a junior in high school and you like decided to like, what was it that made you like decide to like, okay, I'm done. I want to slow down the smoking pot, play less video games and get into fitness. Like where are you, like overweight or out of shape or like what was, what was the moment that you remember that you like can trace Dude. back to? Yes. I remember specifically it was the first day of my junior year of high school. And for like, for some reason, man, like, and this is where I really like actually heard the voice because everybody, and again, this goes back to the connection that we all share to the higher force that's living us and is urging us to do something better for ourselves. There's a voice, like there's definitely a voice inside of all of us. And that's basically our own self, our higher self, that's telling us, here's the better option. You know, if you do this thing, which appears harder, I promise you there's a greater reward. And that, you know, that's the voice that's like, oh, get out of bed and go to the gym. Or that's the voice that like, oh, don't eat that candy bar, eat this banana instead. Mm -hmm. And much of our life, we're fighting that voice. We're like, dude, I, like, I want this candy bar, you know, stop telling me what to do. And it's like, we live with this voice. It's inside of us and everybody knows this to be true. And I'm like, nobody can deny it. And if you deny it, go, go for it, you know? But that's the voice being like, don't listen to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so this is when I really picked up on that voice and it basically was just like, or here's what happened. My friend asked me to go play football with him. Mm -hmm. I had never played football. I did flag football for like a year when I was like eight. Um, but he, he was like, let's go play tackle football. And I was like terrified of that. I was mm. like, like I said, I was totally out of shape. I couldn't reach past my knees um, really? if I were to do standing toe touch. Um, I was like 125 pounds, the same height I am now. I was like, I'm, I think I'm five, eight, five, nine. So I'm pretty short. Um, I was scrawny and the voice was just like, yep, you have to do that. Go do it. And I, and I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't want to do that. But the voice, like this thing, this, this, it just propelled me into this action. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
I guess I have to do this. And so I, I went in with him and we went to the head football coach and I remember walking into his office and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? And I told him I wanted to join the football team and he just looked at me and was just like totally shocked. But he also had like this kind of glimmer of like, a, like, I don't know, appreciation or, or, um, he was, he was happy that I was in there, you know, signing up and he's like, what position do you play? And I was like, I don't even know what positions are there. Like, I, well, let's go get you. You'll get the equipment here. Da, da, da. And like, that was it. You know, we signed up and, um, we went and got our equipment and, and I, that, that was the start of the journey. Cause he's like, all right, if you're going to join football, you also have to be a part of this advanced weight training group, oh, okay. which was seventh period. It was the last period of my school schedule, um, with all the varsity football players. So kids who had been playing ball their whole life were in this class and it was in the weight room with the head football coach. And I roll up there and everyone knew me as a stoner. Like I'd pretty much sold pot to the whole school. And <laughs> they're like, Grant's playing football. What the heck? He's oh man. I, I remember I couldn't like, I don't know if you were ever in weight training or had high school oh, gym. Yeah. The first plate that was ever put on the bar was a 45 pound plate. Yeah. You know? It would just go bar 45. And yep. I'm like, I couldn't do that on any exercise. So I <laughs> would go in the back of the room and I would do like the machines and just like, I would just, I would go in there. I wouldn't talk to anybody. The coach would say, all right, we're on the bench. I would go in the back. I would do the exercise bench. And within like a month, I actually, like I started to feel a lot better, obviously as you know, physically exercising Yeah. within a month or so I actually had enough strength. I remember we, I went and I, instead of, um, going to the back, I actually went and tried to bench the, the 45 pound plates. Cause I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to ever, ever tell these guys to take off the 45 and put on like a 10 or whatever. Yeah. I realized I could do it like one or two times and I was like, dude, yes. And so I started working out with the big guys and, um, that was it, man. And then, you know, a two year, a year went by and I had gained like 20 pounds and I was like loving it. And then, uh, and then even by the end of my senior year, I think I was up to like 165 pounds. So I had gained 40 pounds in this two year time frame. I felt wow. good. I looked good. Um, and I, I, it's so awesome, man. Cause really all that happened was I just continued to show up. Like that was it. And yeah, I put in the work. It was, it was hard work, but it was, Dude, the thing is, there's no such thing as discipline, Mike. When you love something, you just show up for it and it just happens, you know? And so at the end of my senior year, I was basically outlifting almost that entire class that was uh, making fun of me and like, well, I don't know if they're making fun of me, but they certainly were like, what the hell is this guy doing? But um, yeah, I just continued to show up. And by the time I graduated, I was, I was one of the stronger kids and definitely really strong for my weight, you know, and that was it. That was really the start of it all, you know? That's awesome. And did yeah. that, or, and like, so that weightlifting was kind of, was it more like bodybuilding, powerlifting style of stuff? Or were you guys doing like Olympic lifts in that class too? We were power clean. Okay. Like, like twice a week. That was a big part of the the thing but nobody ever taught nobody ever taught me how to lift at all really it was all 
I would just show up and like figure it out. And yeah, the only role was put the forty fives on the bar. Right. Yeah. Sounds like I played lifting gym that, too as a kid. That was it. It was just come in, lift this weight. Okay. And uh, I'd always been like I said, I was a curious kid, and I was always reading, and and so. And I was like, I'm going to put my effort in learning about what I'm actually doing here. And so I, I read everything I could, all the literature on strength and conditioning, um, and then started to really get into Olympic weightlifting towards the end of my senior year because I was like, man, I love to power clean. Mm-hmm. I love these movements. And they're so technical and they require so much attention and focus. And, and um, yeah, that's that. that was just you know allowed me to really start to find and empower myself in such a magnificent way as was like dude we can just learn and then apply that to our life and then life becomes more of a rich experience yeah that's awesome uh okay so then like as you transition into college did you were you just at that point lifting for fun or like how did you said you became a strength coach. Like, how did that come about? That was really organic. Um, and like, what was amazing to me is by the end of my senior year, um, my coach, the, the coach that I walked into the office with, and he was like, what the heck are you doing here? But still, he believed in me and he had faith in what I was there for. And um he like really respected the the transformation that occurred and uh he allowed me just to continue to go down to the high school weight room even after i graduated and as like a junior or sorry a freshman in college i was going down there and i was helping out the kids and i was lifting with them and just uh, you know um giving them any you know attention and, and advice that they asked for and that continued through my freshman year of college and i was lifting primarily for fun, but also like just cause I loved it, you know? So yeah, it was, it was for fun. And, um, I started to think about getting into competing and then, uh, and then that coach by the end of my freshman year of college, he asked me to return for the summer break for their entire, they had like a, a summer camp where all of the athletes came in and they would train Monday through Friday for their summer break. So like a three month, uh, summer camp. And he asked me to be one of the coaches to lead that program. And it was basically like, Hey, here are the keys, you know, do it with this, what you will. Cause I believe I've seen what you've done with yourself. And I believe that you can do that with others. And I want you to be a part of this. And so it was me and one other guy, or sorry, two other guys, but really it was me and this other guy named Kevin. And we just put together this program for a hundred kids that were, that just wanted to come in and lift weights and get stronger for their football season coming up. And, um, I was, I was coach Grant, man. And I just showed up and was like, look, this is how you power clean. This is how you bench. This is how you squat. These are the fundamental strength principles that you need to know this is what you should eat and these are you know these are kids you know and kids are so impressionable especially the ones who want to do well yeah like this is what athletics is so freaking awesome because they just want to perform like they're just like so eager to do like you know and i just love that man i was just like all right man here this is what i know take as much as you can 
because I'm here to support you guys in your process. And nice. that was really like the first taste I had with like how much joy and love um, you can receive if you just give that joy and love in an act of service, you know, and I didn't even know I was going to get paid for this, but I ended up getting like a thousand bucks or whatever. And like initially I, I was like, I just want to, I'll volunteer and do this. Like I, I'd still do it today because it's just so, it was so much fun. And then that, uh, that kind of continued to evolve as I realized like, Oh, I have a knack for this. I can continue to help people this way. And, um, I ended up having like that developed into, more of a uh, one-on-one kind of client basis where I was working with people on various things um, ranging into like nutritional therapy as I graduated college I was doing some like private counseling in that sense and Mm -hmm. um, yeah that so that that really just that was the start and that 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 evolved and just became more of an organic thing and I never really I never really identified self-identified as that role it was more like the community was like look you ha- you needed to offer what you know here mm-hmm. or the community was asking me to offer and then i was just like um, i'm here you know nice that's super cool that's that's awesome that like just through that hard work in high school and like that transitioned into these opportunities for you to like discover your not only discover fitness and your passion for fitness and nutrition and health, but also turn into the opportunity to like learn that you like teaching. And I mean, even like getting paid a thousand dollars that summer gig, like, you know, today, like that doesn't sound like a lot, but I, I'm thinking back to like when I was 18, like if I had a thousand dollars, like that would have been, you know, I was like, Whoa, that's so much money. And so like, that's super cool. Um, that like something that even you were just like, I just want to do this cause I like it turned into, um, yeah. Um, and then, okay. Something I would love also for you to talk a little more about, like, as you went forward in your training, you developed like these injuries, you said like your elbow, your knee and, but also like this adrenal stuff, hormone stuff, like how did that come about? And like, how did you fix that? And like, was yeah. that in that period of time or is that a, lot, a little later? Yeah. So like through college, I just hit the gym so freaking hard, man. Like I, I have a gym in my garage, um, that I've pieced together over time, but it has some really good equipment in it. Mm. And because after I stopped training at the high school, I trained there for like a couple years after I graduated. Um, I eventually transitioned to lifting on my own in my garage. And since I'd always been self-coached, I was like, incredibly stubborn man and I was just like I would just train and train and train like for a period of time I was I was lifting for three hours every morning you know like and I was just doing too much work and um, not paying enough attention to how I was feeling because I could just kind of I had just this crazy energy and I could just kind of grind through it and yeah. this willingness to work hard were you doing um, this on your own or did you have programming from a coach? That was on my own. I would always like look at programming and, and I was always studying like the, I, I got really into the Soviet literature, like, cause they were the, they were like the really, they were the original sports scientists. Yeah. They're badass. And, uh, totally badass. But 
I was trying to follow programming based on a professional weightlifter who had been lifting since he was a kid and living in a summer camp, you know, with no other duties and just eating and taking, you know, D-ball like candy, you know, steroids and stuff. And, oh, really? And I'm, I'm sitting here like, oh, yeah, these guys are, you know, clean and jerking 200 kilos. Like, I want to do that. Like, let me do what they did. And so, yeah. Anyways, I was not the most intelligent person about how I was training, okay. but I and I felt like hard work would win. Were you working a full-time job while you're doing this too? No, I was just going to school and I had like a part-time weekend gig. Yeah, but still school is a full-time job. I feel Yeah, like. it was it was full-time school for sure. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So your school, you're working part-time, you're training like a beast. Training like a beast. infused beast. Yep. And uh so I just kept, I just kept getting like minor injuries and tweaks, which, you know, aches and pains are going to happen when you're lifting hard. Um, mm-hmm. and they just compounded and compounded and I would just like, all right, my elbow hurts. Let me just work around it. And then it would get better. And then my shoulder would hurt on the opposite side and then I'd work around it. And, um, eventually it got to a point where I had learned so much about mobility and flexibility and tissue health mm-hmm. and the things that allow the aches and pains, aches and pains to go away. Because aches and pains are a result of us pushing too hard in the wrong ranges of motion. Mm-hmm. And so I was like reading and learning all about Kelly Starrett and using all these mobility tools and mm-hmm. just like um, really opening up my body and and creating healthier tissues and I was feeling better and moving better and um, that consequently allowed me to go harder in the gym to hurt myself internally which was the hormone stuff that we talked about um, where like I was just pushing too much prolonged stress on my body that my testosterone tanked and um, you know I experimented with anabolic steroids too which oh really you know coming off of coming off of steroids and continuing to train really hard was a uh, uh, just a recipe for for a <laughs> shitty hormone profile you know like yeah. my, my the hormones that make us male not just testosterone but other you know things that make us feel good and you know like dopamine is an example like these things were just they weren't doing too well and uh that's what sparked my interest in naturopathic medicine because I started to like really take a critical look when I was like 22, 23 years old. I was like, man, I'm not waking up with a boner anymore. Like what is going on? You know, I don't have this urge for sex. I'm, I'm this young male. I'm lifting weights. I'm eating. I really had a awesome diet for what I was doing because mm-hmm. again, I was so interested in this stuff that I wanted to do the best I possibly could mm-hmm. and all of the respective fields. Yeah. So I was sleeping great. You know, I had the best sleep cycle ever. I was That's like, like eight. Oh, how much? Like 10 to six every day. 10 or to ten, six. Sorry, 10 to seven every day. I was sleeping nine hours, like a rock. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I was anyways. Yeah. All on the outside looking in, I appeared to be this really strong, robust, healthy male. You know, I was strong. I could lift a lot of weight. I was flexible. Um, I was very productive at work. This is after I graduated high uh, college, mm-hmm. super productive at work and, but I felt shitty. And so I started to really kind of 
take my fascination and curiosity deeper and deeper and deeper into like the cellular level and like the health of the gut and the nervous system and that's where I started to actually explore I remember getting diagnosed um, diagnosing myself really with adrenal dysfunction and then I did a salivary hormone profile to see like or sorry adrenal stress index to see where I was at and then I realized I was like man I'm in like stage three adrenal failure like my cortisol level is completely tanked not even the morning cortisol was spiked which wow. for most people we want a, a spike in the morning cortisol it's what allows us to get out of bed in the morning yeah mine was just flatlined the whole day and so hmm. um that's what started to like lead me into uh repairing my internal chemistry and in order to do that we have to do like we have to take care of the lifestyle completely and so I stopped um, that's when I really started to question my weightlifting for the first time yeah and so I, I remember like really questioning it and be like it's so hard for me to give it up because it's been a big part of my identity for so long and um, yeah, so eventually I just quit. I completely stopped weightlifting. Yeah. And when I stopped weightlifting was when I started to pick up my practice of yoga. Because um, I was doing, doing both simultaneously for a little while. Okay. And I remember my health really started to, like when I started to practice yoga and I was still weightlifting a little bit, but not as hard, was my health started to increase rapidly because I was really kind of... Um, I was ripe for the yoga practice, mm -hmm. but then when I completely stopped weightlifting and only practiced yoga, my health just took off, and that's what really helped me repair myself completely. Because um, it was like a it was like a six month process to overcome uh, the adrenal state that I was in and, and get my hormones back to back to normal. Yeah, yeah. Um. Sorry, one sec. I need to plug my computer in, but then I... Do you have time for me to ask you one more question about this yeah. stuff? Okay. Yeah. One second. Okay. Sorry about that. You're um, good. Thanks for sharing that. I've been, we've talked about this a bit before, but I've always been curious to hear more about the story. Just because I think, I mean, I think it's really interesting that you, I just think the culture around fitness, it's almost like you've got like strength sports, so the weightlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit kind of hang out together. And then, Sometimes, well, I guess CrossFit kind of like leads into people like can transition into people who like there's people who CrossFit and do strength sports. There's also people who CrossFit and do like outdoorsy things or like more team sports. And then, but yoga, I think there'll be overlaps between people who climb or get outdoors. Also do yoga, they run, but a lot of times you don't think of yoga and weightlifting together. You see the cultures, the the stereotype of the cultures is so separate. And so it's just, but there are so many commonalities and there's probably more people who do both than, than folks than like 
the um, kind of narrative would make it seem to someone who's like looking into fitness and trying to figure out where to start. But I just think it's really cool that you had done both. And even my understanding is that you hope to do some Olympic lifting again. Um, that's, that's something you'd like to have be part of your practice in some capacity down the road. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really, really cool. Um, something I would love, and I think there's so much more that we can dive into with your story around this stuff, around other things. Like we haven't, we haven't talked about your writing yet, which is something I really want for you to be able to talk about on this, this show, um, at some point really soon, just to hear more about that, what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'd love to ask you like with your weightlifting and since there are probably going to be, or are people who watch our show who like participate in those, that type of activity. Like you said that you were getting like nine hours of sleep a night. You were eating the way you should be for that. Um, you were focusing on mobility, but still like your system crashed out. Like, is there, and I know you also mentioned steroid use in there, so maybe that had something to do with it. But like, mm-hmm. what, what, like, do you see like a couple things that you did wrong there that caused you to go down that pathway of like adrenal fatigue? And like, how could someone who likes doing those things put themselves in a situation they can keep doing them and not like have a burnout? Totally. Um, well, the it first really happened hard. Like, I started to notice that I wasn't feeling as well um, before I really crashed. And, and what happened was I, I stopped Olympic weightlifting and I picked up more of a general fitness training approach. Mm-hmm. I wasn't bodybuilding. I wasn't powerlifting. I wasn't Olympic lifting, but I was doing all, I was using components of all of those things. You know, I was going for runs. I was hiking. I was rowing. I was cycling. Um, I really... And I realized because I was like, man, I keep getting hurt physically, but I want to, I want to challenge myself the way that Olympic lifting challenged me without continuing to damage my tissue. Mm. And ironically that allowed me to push harder in these Mm -hmm. other fields. And so I, what essentially happened was I just introduced more work and more physical stress to the system because I was, I was, I was able to handle that. And, um, I started to feel really good, like really good. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize how, like, this is what happened. I actually got addicted to, um, like the challenge that the new challenges that I had. And then I got addicted to the transformation that was happening in my body. Mm. So I was big and strong. Like, I think I told you at one point I was like 195 pounds and 8% body fat. Fuck. Um, like that was the peak of my weightlifting. And then when I stopped weightlifting and I got into more fitness, mm-hmm. like ripped, like completely ripped. And, and it happened very naturally because I started like all the things that I had been doing right kind of, um, became a perfect storm to transform my body. And I looked like a, like a fitness competitor, but I wasn't competing in, in, you know, physique or anything. Gotcha. Um, you know, I was still in, I think I was in college. No, I was, I was working at the time, but, uh, it was just, it was so addictive, you know, it just served my ego and I would go out and I'd be like this ripped, good looking guy. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. It feels good. You know, feels good to look good. And it just perpetuated this cycle. Mm-hmm. And so that actually ended up 
harming me because I, I got a, I got attached to that. And then I started to do these cutting cycles that were far too oh. rigorous, where I would restrict my calories and I was doing long, extensive periods of, of cutting and my, the adrenal crash that really happened that triggered um, everything. I would, I would say it triggered everything, but it was really a cum- cumulative effect. Um, I was like, we measured on clips, uh, calipers, the nine point calipers body mm-hmm. fat test, which is a really accurate way to determine. I think the only more accurate way is to get a uh, hydrostatic bod pod where you weigh yourself, your lean mass in water. Mm-hmm. But, um, on clips, I measured like 2.8% body fat. And, uh, That's like, so low. Yeah. <laughs> Like literally penis skin on my stomach, you know, it was, there was my, my, I was ripped, dude. I was so ripped and it's not healthy to be that, that lean. No, and, I mean, does the figure competitors, like do those guys are bodybuilders even at that and a show? Is that show weight or is that even lower than show weight for a lot of folks? Bodybuilders will get that low for shows. Fitness competitors, they say not to get that low because you're, you're so lean that it looks unnatural. Oh, I uh, see. You know, and like for fitness and physique, that it's more about proportion and like the aesthetics and that sort of thing. But like, mm-hmm. I had, um, you know, I had striations on my lower back and my delts, and it was, it was pretty insane. Wow. And uh, and so I got addicted to that, and I was like, man, this is cool. And I can, you, you can totally see why that becomes addicting. And oh yeah. Uh, so, and for me, I was like, perfect, you know, it was such a lesson to learn and it was such a big release, uh, as far as like identity goes and the ego goes when I, when I did harm myself so that I had to quit that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's what accumulated into my, my adrenal problem. And so for anybody- sorry to summarize real quick, it sounds like what really triggered, I mean, it sounds like you were building up damage over time because you're going hard, but what really triggered kind of the last brick that you pulled out of the Jenga tower that toppled it all was essentially doing functional fitness type work paired with heavy and long, drastic cutting diets. Yep. Yep. So for like, any, yeah. The biggest takeaway that I think we can learn from that and for anybody listening is if you are training hard and you want to feel good and continue to perform at life, you have to fuel appropriately. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you, we cannot go too long with restricting ourselves nutritionally because the body needs the raw materials to repair itself. And if it's not getting the raw materials to repair itself, your youth, your robustness, your vitality is only going to take you so far. For sure. Huh. So that was it. Uh, and each I was I was eating perfectly, but just not enough calories. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that must have been so frustrating when it all happened too. Because you probably were like being really, you were being really intentional. You're really focused on like this is what I want. This is how I'm going to do it. This is my plan. And then for it to like go up like that, it's just yeah, fuck. All right. Well, man. Um, that was awesome. I I need to get headed out, but I want to. I really want to continue diving into your stuff, um, either on the next one we do or very soon, because um, I feel like we've only scratched the surface of some of your experiences and you know some of the cool stuff that you do. 
So, um, but dude, thanks so much for getting vulnerable today and sharing like kind of your story and, and where you've been. It's, it's fun, Mike. And I really appreciate you asking the questions because, you know, truthfully, we're all living a life to share our experiences with others, you know, and hopefully our experiences allow us to connect to somebody somewhere and allow them to not go through the same pain that we had. You know, it's like nobody has to, well, pain, pain might be a part of life, but the suffering is, is totally optional. And yeah, we, we don't need to, we don't have to put ourselves in misery and, the, you know, that's, that's why we have mirror neurons, you know, we have parts of our brain that allow us to learn and recognize and empathize with other people. So yeah, thanks for allowing me to share. And, and I really appreciate your time and patience. No, of course, dude. Thank you so much for sharing. And, uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you have any questions for Grant and you want to know more about any of the thing he shared, please shoot a comment, um, on the post or find him. Um, he's tagged in most of the social that we do. And uh, like and share with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome, Mike. Thanks, brother. Talk hey, soon, all right? Yeah, hey, real quick before you go. Um, uh, shit, what did I want to ask you? I don't remember. <laughs> well, I'll use the space to just give a plug for your product. I've been using Mike's Amino uh, Supplement A8. And you guys can also find that on his his links because it's awesome. I've been taking it specifically before I go to bed, just I'll take five tablets and it allows me to get into a really deep restful sleep. And I've done a lot of sleep hacking. So it's, it's a, it is making a difference. I, I know it is. And then also it provides a great boost in the morning. Cause I, a lot of times I'll fast in the morning and I'll just take five of these tablets to get some amino acids in my bloodstream and I want to go down to the park and do handstands and crawl and do this and that. It's just, it's good stuff. So thank you, Mike, for sending that my way. Yeah, man, you bet. Um, uh, no, thanks so much for those kind words, man. What can I ask you real quick? Like what your purpose is at taking it before bed and kind of what this, the function is that provides you? Yeah. Um, I always feel like, well, sleep is the most anabolic period that we can ever have in our, in our lives. Um, sleep is really where most anabolism occurs. And I feel like if I can, uh, invite some favorable circumstances in my body during that period, that those circumstances will increase the likelihood of turning into the right stuff. And so it's not, not just about muscle tissue growth, but like repairing organs and glands in my gut, like all of the tissue in our body needs amino acids to repair, not just muscle tissue. And so if I can have just a little dose of some of those things floating in my blood when I go to bed, maybe it's going to go right to the place where it needs it. And, you know, maybe my liver needs a little boost that night. Who knows? And I kind of just surrendered to that because there's a mystery of life, man. And if you just kind of open to the possibility of something helping you, it might help you. Nice. Cool, dude. Well, thank you so much for that. And sure. yeah, I guess I'll, I'll see you, shoot you a text or give you a call with whatever question I had for you. Got it, brother. Love cool, you, dude. Mike. Love you too, man. Take it easy. Have a great day. Peace.